Own Your Truth with life strategist Laura T. Real advice for regular people. Now, here's Laura. Hello and welcome to Own Your Truth, where we're talking real advice for regular people. I'm Laura T. Thank you so much for listening. I know there's lots of ways you can spend your time, and I'm grateful for the Sunday evenings that you spend with me. So, back by popular demand is my daughter, Taylor T. I received so much great feedback after having Taylor on the show a couple of weeks ago. It made sense to bring her back, especially in light of tonight's topic. We're going to talk tonight about the art of happiness. You know, with suicide being the second leading cause of deaths among young people between the ages of 15 to 29, depression among Americans of all ages on the rise, and the things that are happening in our world today, it's important to know that you have the power to create your own happiness. Tonight, I'm going to give you the tools to do that. While there's so much science around happiness, now described as the science of well-being, there's also an art around creating the happiness in your life and making sure that it's based on who you are, how you define your ideal experience. We're going to get to that toward the end of the show. You know, I think it's important to mention that much of what I'm going to share tonight is inspired by uh, Professor Lori Santos at Yale. She hosts an online class that's been free during COVID. It's the Science of Well-Being, and I highly recommend you check out this class. It's 10 weeks, and it really gives you tools to help you create greater happiness in your life. Um, the Some of the other resources are The How of Happiness um, by Sonia Lombrowski, Happiness Unlocking the Mysteries of Psychological Wealth by Ed Diner and Robert Bywistiner, MindWise by Nick Epley. I mean, all of these great resources I got from that one class, and you're going to hear um, references to them throughout the show. All right. So we're going to start by discussing what you think makes you happy. And the interesting thing about this is what you think makes you happy may not actually be the thing that brings you happiness. Then we're going to talk about ways to create happiness. And the things that we're going to discuss are things that you don't realize have a great impact on happiness. Sometimes we take them for granted. Sometimes we don't even consider that they impact our happiness. And then finally, we're going to look at happiness habits. And I'm going to share a specific tool called Whoop, Whoop. Uh, Whoop. <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> to help you reach your happiness goals. Taylor, before we talk about the art of happiness, tell the awesome Own Your Truth listeners a little bit about yourself if they didn't get to meet you a couple of weeks ago. Well, um, I'm Laura's daughter, obviously, and I'm in high school. I'm an athlete and a student, and just I like having conversations about these things and getting to learn what my mom knows and getting to talk about it. It's really fun. So. I'm so grateful Taylor's willing to be on the show. I was sort of racking my brain, like, what do I do for a final show? And it just seems sort of anticlimactic to come in here by myself. And so, of course, Taylor's like, I will join you. It's and, so fun. And I love that. All right. So thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. And um, so let's dive into tonight's topic. First, you know, what we think makes us happy. Well, we often think about happiness as something that's outside of us, something that happens to us. But according to Sonia Lombarski, author of How The How of Happiness and Leading Psychologist in the Science and Study of Happiness, there are three things that determine happiness. 
50% is our set point. This is our genes, how we're made up. 10% is circumstances, and that could be anything including illness, tragedy, or loss. And then 40% of our happiness is intentional activity. If this information sounds familiar, I mentioned it a few weeks ago in the Mind Your Mindset episode. Obviously, it's worth repeating now as we explore the art of happiness because that idea that we control 40% of our happiness is really key. And then the question becomes, are you doing the right things to bring more happiness into your life? So Taylor, let me ask you, what makes you happy? Um, that's a good question. First, um, you know, we talked about getting a good grade on the test. I love that feeling. Getting it back, it being like 100 or 95, that is so nice. That is so good. Finishing a race, too, like doing really well at FCX was the best feeling ever. I loved that. And uh, food is pretty nice. Uh, a <laughs> nice steak always makes me very happy. Um, what else? Oh, I, I talked about trips. Like, amazing vacations are always so fun. And friends and family, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so here's the interesting thing. So obviously, those are all great answers. And some of the things that you mentioned actually do make you happy and create long lasting happiness. Well, some of the things you mentioned actually don't make you as happy as you think. Mm -hmm. So for example, you talked about grades and like you, most students think that good grades will make them happy. However, when researchers tested this, they discovered outside of the initial excitement or disappointment about grades, grades actually didn't have a long-term impact on a person's happiness, specifically a student's happiness. And so to pr prove this, they had students record their current level of happiness. That would be like their set point. Then they asked students how happy would do they think they would be if they received a good grade and how disappointed do they think they would be if they received a bad grade. Then after receiving their grades, they had the students record their actual feelings on an app, which is pretty cool. Well, so interestingly enough, the students who did well thought they would be much happier than they were, and the students who didn't do well were actually not as sad as they thought they would be. And in both cases, within a short period of time, and I think it was like a couple of hours, their happiness levels returned to their set point. So does that surprise you? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I think about it that definitely factors in is how much work I put into whatever I've done. So if I've studied for a test for hours, at like a big midterm, and I do well, like, there's no doubt. I, I, I feel like I'm going to be happy just based on everything that I work so hard for, you know? Um, but if there's, like, a grade that, you know, either I've copied the answer for something or, like, looked up something, right? Like, like an easy, like, formative or something like that. Like, there's no feeling in that at all, you know? Right. Well, so what I hear you talking about a little bit is this idea that you find pride in the process yeah. as much as the end grade. Is that yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. Like if I haven't worked hard on something, I, I don't feel it. Right. But when when I've worked hours, I definitely feel happy. So that's, so that's kind of interesting. Well, so that's such a great point, because what you're talking about is the difference between intrinsic, right, that internal feeling yeah. that you have in your pride and doing well, versus the extrinsic grade. So if the goal is just the grade, and you don't care about the learning part, and often that happens, you yeah. know, people will sacrifice the, the process to get the good grade, mm -hmm. then 
the extrinsic, the grade itself, ends up not being, not adding to your happiness, where what you're talking about is so internal um, that you're, you do carry that pride and happiness with you. Um, so it is a little bit different for you than, than, than other students, maybe. Yeah. I keep ratting myself out on this show. I, I don't copy my answers. I, I, it's just like, you know, little things online. You know, if, if I use my resources. Okay? So if the audience could see my face when she's like, she copies, I'm like, what? I, I don't copy. No, no, no. That, that was taken out of context. I started to talk about some of the things that make us happy and what we think makes us happy sometimes doesn't. Um, and in that is also the things, you know, Taylor had shared some experiences about, I said, you know, what makes you happy? She talked about good grades and doing well and running and certain types of food. Um, and then and then she talked about trips. And so here's an interesting thing about trips and it, their influence on our happiness is when we talk about trips, they're an experience. And the benefit of experiences is that we tend to savor them over a longer period of time. We savor them before and after the experience has happened. For example, we get really excited about a trip as we prep and plan in advance. Then we have the experience of going on the trip. And then we, we get back, we share our trip with others. So this allows us to maintain happiness over time. And Taylor, um, if you had to think about your favorite trip, what would it be? Oh, that's so hard. Um, probably Alaska for sure. Alaska. Cruise, yes. what, what made that one special? Well, we were surrounded by family. That, mm. like, that was so fun. And it was it was like free reign kind of. So we, you guys did your wine tasting things and the kids just did whatever. It was so fun. Well, and so even as you talk about it, you can hear your energy, right, yeah. increase. So when we're looking at experiences like trips and we relive them and we share them, we those feelings of happiness come back. You also mentioned being with family. And research shows that close social re- relationships are essential to happiness. And, you know, what was interesting in the research that I'd done – is that it's the same for both introverts and extroverts. Both groups during testing show more positive emotions when they are with other people. And, you know, this is the part where it gets to be a little bit of the art of happiness comes into play. Obviously, introverts are going to be happier when they're with smaller groups of close friends and family, while extroverts can be happier around more people and, and even strangers. So you can see how happiness has a range and there are different things that make us happy. One of the things that they've discovered doesn't make people happy is um, a focus on money. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because Money ends up being this, um, money and material items end up being this moving target. Um, And so we think that, you know, something like a new car will make us happy. But after a short period of time, we get used to the car and it no longer has an impact on our happiness the way that we thought it would. And this is called hedonic adaptation. The great thing about hedonic adaptation is that the emotional effect of negative situations are reduced over time as well. But that means that the drawback is positive emotions are also reduced over time. And so if we focus on material items, you'll never truly be happy because the bar is always moving, right? As we get used to where we are, as we get used to our financial situation, um, we the bar moves further and further away. And so it has the opposite effect on happiness. Now we're going to talk about what 
what does make us happy? So, Taylor, share with um, the listeners some of the research that we found together. Um, so, starting off with kindness, finding ways to do things with other apparently will make you more happy. So, doing acts of kindness in clusters had a greater effect than doing one act of kindness per day. One act became more of a task, um, and after a while, it didn't impact happiness. And spending any amount of money on people makes you happy. A lot of people say, I'll wait till I have money to donate to a cause or help someone out financially, when in fact studies show your level of happiness when giving is the same if you give $5 or $500,000. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, some of the other things that uh, make us happy in, you know, when Taylor and I were working through this together, we found just such great research. Um, social connection. You know, I mentioned this a little bit before. It's really important for people to create ways to connect with others. And what what we've sort of discounted, I think, during this time where we were in isolation because of COVID is the importance of those small interactions that really do impact our well-being. And so the research has discussed that the simple act of smiling at someone when you walk by has the ability to make you happy and them happy. And what was fascinating is they did one test in um, a museum and they had people go in and smile at other people. And when they were asked how happy was the, the people in the museum, the people who smiled thought they were surrounded by happier people, but it was really because they were happy first, hmm. which is fascinating. Um, the other thing that um, you, they found is that talking to someone on a train or while you're waiting in line. So right now when we get in line or we're sitting on the train, you know, we're on our phone, we're in our book. But they did studies with people on the trains in Chicago and they asked them before they got on the train, do they think they would be happier doing whatever they normally do, staying in solitude, meaning not talking to anyone or talking to a stranger? And most people predicted they would be happier in solitude. And what's fascinating is when they actually tested people who spoke to a stranger, they tested the people who sat in solitude and they tested the people who did what they normally did, they realized that happiness was higher in those people who actually spoke to other people. Yeah, that makes sense. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. But what was also interesting is people consistently mispredicted their own effect yeah. on other people's happiness. That's funny. And people wanted them to, to talk to them. Hmm. What else did we discover? Um, using your strengths, we're taught to, to work on our weaknesses. But if instead you focus on using your top four strengths, studies show you will be more productive and experience greater satisfaction in what you're doing. That's really interesting, too. Another thing we discovered is time affluence. I, I think this is something that we don't think about often enough, but people who value time over money are happier. And those people who are really um, determining how they spend their time becomes really important um, when, we, when we measure overall happiness. Mind control. No. Mind control. <laughs> Our minds wander 46.9% of the time. Being present is an important factor in happiness. Mind wandering is proven to make you less happy. 
What do you think about that statistic? That's higher than I thought it would be. Forty six. I get confused when my mind wanders. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't. Have, probably should have listened to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so when our mind wanders, we're often going off into these thoughts, and yeah, they're probably not good either. Unfortunately, right? They're negative thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, we have good health, and so sleep and exercise are huge factors to happiness. And you know, I don't think that that would be much of a surprise to people, but once you get reading the the studies and the research is fascinating. So one specific study, um, they had a group of men and women over 50 who were suffering from clinical depression. They divided the participants into three groups. One group was assigned to four months of aerobic exercise, the second group to four months of antidepressant, antidepressant medication, and then the third group did a combination of both. All three groups experienced their depression's lift as well as an increase in happiness and self-esteem. So that's fantastic. After the four months, everyone felt better. Aerobic exercise was just as effective at treating depression as the drugs or the combination of drugs and exercise. But here is the real, like, crazy astounding part, is that um, six months after, participants who had remitted, they'd recovered from their depression, were less likely to relapse if they had been in the exercise group than if they had been in the other two groups. So many of those people who exercised felt like they had an impact on their own recovery, and therefore they were less likely to relapse for almost five years following the study. So, I mean, it's crazy to think that surveys show exercise may be the most effective instant happiness booster of all activities. Yeah. Did any of that surprise you? Um, honestly, a lot of that made sense. Like, one, just with the mind-wandering thing, like, right, I feel like this happens to everyone. Right when you're going to bed, you're sitting there just thinking about so many things you need to do, and it gets you so anxious and so riled up. Like, yesterday, literally yesterday, I, it was like 2 in the morning, and I woke up, and it was pouring, and I ran to your room, and I was like, I forgot the badminton racket outside. <laughs> you did. You did. Like just random things have come into my head. I'm like, they're going to rust. Oh, God, no. And you're like, you're not going to go out there now. And then I also ran. I was like, I think Dad's windows are open. You're right. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that happens to me so many times, and it's... Yeah, it is focusing on, because it makes me more anxious doing that. Right, absolutely. And in that moment when there's silence and there, you know, I mean, that's the time where you really do have to focus your mind. Especially when you realize that sleep is such an important factor to happiness. For sure, yeah. Um, So in what ways do you think you could improve your own happiness? Hmm, that's tricky. I think, yeah, definitely that mind-wandering part. Um, yeah, and just focusing on what I surround myself with, really, what I, how much time I spend on my phone, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that is like a whole part of happiness. A, I know, so that's, that's a, a whole, whole topic a whole we didn't even dive into. <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that whole, like, alternate world that you think makes you happy and really doesn't. I, I find it, I think because I hopped on the Instagram bag bandwagon so late was that I'm not really affected by it. Like, I'm not really... I I guess I check, because that's kind of like an addiction thing. Like, I I check all my likes, but I'm not, like, sad if I don't get a certain amount of likes. Whatever. (laughs) It's fine. I don't really care. Right. um, I think that's because I'm sort of new to it. People who have a certain amount of followers probably feel sad when that happens well so that that is one of the challenges with social media is that yeah. social comparison and it's negative impact yeah. and on also happiness. people's comments too mm. like if that happens sometimes that that can be really hard 
That could which be I've really never hard. experienced, which is really nice, but I know people have. Well, so right at this point in the show, it is time for our Own Your Truths Musical Artist of the Week. And then we're going to come back and talk more about happiness. So I have to say, when it comes to musical artists, I have to end with the artist who started this journey with me, Lee Silvestri and Um, You've heard his music a few times during the past couple of years. Lee is crazy talented and happens to be one of the most generous souls on this planet. His sweet sound is the music you hear between my commercial breaks and at the end of each show. Lee is responsible for getting all of my episodes on iTunes, and he's become such a great friend. We love you, Lee. We love you. We do love you, (laughs) Lee. I was proud to be the first to play his EP on the radio show last year, and I'm honored to play his music again tonight. Here is a new song from Lee Silvestri called Mongrel. Enjoy. Or when he needs more love than he can give 
Wow, let's give it up for Lee Silvestri. In the past two years, I've been blessed to connect with musicians around the state. Please remember to support our local talent, especially as establishments begin to reopen. These folks have been online creating beautiful music and sharing it to help us get through these challenging times. Now it's our turn to give back. So please go out and see our local talent. Now, back to the show. For those of you just joining us, this is Own Your Truth with Laura T. I'm here with my special guest, Taylor T. And we're talking about the art of happiness. So far, we've talked about what we think makes us happy that may not. We shared some things that make us happy that we may not naturally think would make us happy. And now we're going to touch on happiness habits. So uh, Nick Epley, who's a professor of behavioral science and faculty director of the Center for Decision Research at the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, shared a great analogy for happiness. He said, people think of happiness like their height, as if once they grow or they do these things to get taller, it will stay forever. When in fact, happiness is more like a leaky tire. You have to keep putting air into it. And I just love that analogy because it's so true. It's something that we have to work at and we have to continue to put effort towards. So this is where the science turns into art. This is where you apply your style, you apply your likes, and then decide your ideal life experience. There's so many ways to increase happiness. It's finding the ways that fit for you. It's also knowing that you may try on a couple of happiness strategies and they may work for a while and then you get tired of them or they may not work at all. And all of that is okay. Try on something else, but keep working at it. You know, this is our choice. 40% of our happiness is determined by our activities. So I won't even be able to touch on all the ways you can increase your happiness, but I do highly suggest The How of Happiness by Sonia Lombarski for um, for that. Sh- the whole book is just, it's like over 200 pages of different ways to increase your happiness. Um, and they, what I love about that book is it's researched and proven happiness tips. It's not just like someone saying, oh, this worked for me. I mean, th- this is a compilation of all the research that she's done on happiness. So here are a few happiness habits for you to consider. Taylor, why don't you share some of these? Cool. So Change your visibility slash proximity of things you don't want to be doing. Things that don't increase your happiness, like put healthy food instead of a jar of cookies on your counter. Fix bad environments, remove your phone from visibility, promote healthy environments, reminders for exercise or meditation, and fill your life with people who promote healthy living. Like Just with running, at least, some people have this really negative whole view about running like oh it's really bad it's the worst and I know what it's like to struggle with running just a few weeks ago I hadn't trained for weeks 
and I was running and I felt so awful and I was like, God, I really don't like this. And I started running with a podcast, which is something I've never done before. It's at Office Ladies um, with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley. And they're so funny. And it, I don't know, it just got me into this schedule where I just get to listen to their happy voices every day on my run. And it motivated me to run. I, I like doing it now. So whether it's music, just switch it up, you know, to make yourself more happy while doing it. Well, that's such a great example that you share in 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 that idea of creating your own environment. You know, I also want to touch on this um, idea of fixing bad environments. You had mentioned earlier, you know, the phone. We could have a whole show about the phone. Yeah. But this, the phone is one of those things that believe it or not, reduces happiness. For sure, and, 100%. Yeah, and it's um, everything from social media to just disconnecting with the people that yeah. you're with because yeah. you're so distracted by what's on your phone. Um, and so removing that from visibility becomes really important. Um, you know, filling your life with people. I know Taylor talks about running. I, I am that person who is like, oh, I hate running. I only run if somebody's chasing me. Um, and then Taylor and I decided last year I was going to uh, attempt to run a half marathon. And Taylor created this awesome running schedule. And I'll tell you, just knowing that we were in it together, I wouldn't stop running. I did the schedule until I sprained my ankle. Um, but but I did the schedule. And the day that I ran eight miles, I couldn't believe it. And it was only because I had her, you know, number one, and my biggest cheerleader. But also, I wouldn't come back and say that I walked. There was just no way <laughs> I would come back and tell her that I had walked. And so having that that being surrounded by people who support you and your goals becomes a really important 100%. part of, of your happiness. 100%. Um, so one of the other ways, and Taylor, have I shared this with, with Whoop with you yet? Whoop, it just it reminds me of Ryan from The Office, Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny, actually, you're right. But no, this is Whoop, W-O-O-P. And um, when we look at um, happiness habits, uh, one of the psychologists, uh, the, the woman who discovered this process, um, uses WHOOP as a way to really help people set goals and um, achieve them. And so know that there's a whole website um, dedicated to this practice, which I will also post on the Own Your Truth with Laura T. Facebook page. So I'm going to go through it now, but I'm not going to do it justice. It's so good. I just want to give you a little bit of a taste of it, and then hopefully you'll come to the Facebook page and check it out yourself. But so when you look at WHOOP, you start off with a wish. And, you know, you, you the great thing about WHOOP is you can do it anywhere as long as you can have some quiet thinking time. And you don't even need to be in a quiet space. You could be in the middle of um, a train ride as long as you can think quietly. It doesn't matter what your surroundings are. And you start off with this idea wish what is your most important wish and then and I when I'm describing this to clients I'm like pretend you're blowing out the candles like what would you wish for and then what is the outcome O stands for outcome what is the best possible outcome from this wish and in this part of the activity I really encourage people to get visual because uh, the power of visualization in our brains remember I say this often on the show your brain has two jobs to answer your questions and prove you right and if you can go so far as to picture something your brain wants to find ways to get you that outcome 
And then this is the part that makes this process so different, is that you then look at obstacles. So the second O in WHOOP is obstacles. What would stop you from fulfilling this wish? This becomes so important. And you make a list of all of the different obstacles that could prevent you from fulfilling your wish. And then you create a plan, P, whoop, that (laughs) (laughs) to overcome the obstacles. And the cool thing is that when you're creating the plan, you actually take the obstacle and you say, if this obstacle occurs, then to overcome my obstacle, you know, here's what I'm going to do. So Taylor's got this big, huge smile on her face. What are you thinking? I'm going to whoop this. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You are going to whoop this. So if you if you had to, if you, what's a goal that you would want to put through a whoop process? A goal I want to whoop? Yeah. What do you want to mm-hmm. whoop? I need to get my college essay done. And ah. I'm kind of dreading it. But also not. SATs I dread more. But college essay is something that I'm a little bit more natural at. But I've got to start it. And it starts with a blank page, and I haven't even opened the page yet. <laughs> okay, so do you want to go through this process quickly so we can give an Let's example? Whoop it. Let's Let, whoop it. Let's whoop it. <laughs> I love your energy, Taylor. All right, so what is the wish that you have for your college essay? I, I want to be really proud of it. Like, I know if I finish it and I do it well, like, I'll get that feeling, and I, and I feel like I'll get the feedback from my teachers that this is going to work out for you, like, this is going to be good, and... To just know I have it full, I have it done, it's great, I love it, that's what I want it to be. Okay, so what's the feeling? Um, What feelings can you, when you think, so remember, you're blowing out your candles and this is your wish. You wish what about your college essay? I wish... It's it's productive, it's to the point, but like the feeling I get from it is pride and Mm. relief that Mm. it's over. I kind of feel that for everything academic. yeah, that, that feeling of pride. This is who I am, and I'm proud to tell the schools that this is who I am. Ah, I love that. Okay, proud to tell the schools who I am. So when you think about the outcome of the essay, elaborate on that idea of being proud to tell the schools this, this is who I am. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to know, you know, if, whether the school likes it or not. I mean, whether I get in, which kind of is way in advance, but... Um, yeah, I guess it, that also comes with feedback from teachers, and I don't want to rely on that, right. obviously. I love it when she coaches herself out loud. <laughs> You're right, because... <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm backtracking, <laughs> but obviously I don't want to depend on, on that. On that. Um, right, so the outcome is from you, how you're feeling. Right. What does it look like? Is it, you know, is it double-spaced? Is it oh. perfectly... I mean, oh. get, remember, use some of the visual techniques yeah, we talked yeah. about. Probably Times New Roman. <laughs> 12, double-spaced, probably around 500 words, maybe, in between. Not too low, not too much, because I think the limit is 560 or something like that. Okay. Um, cool title. I don't I don't know how they – do I date it? I don't know. I've got to figure out the All right, so small things. Cool title, yep. yeah. Okay. Cool title, yeah. And any additional feelings, again, playing off of that idea of being proud of showing schools, this is who you are. Yeah. I mean, just like – um, good writing, I don't know, just a lot of hard work put into it, and um, what do you call it, like good punctuation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> Great, know. yeah. Um, no spelling errors. Okay. God, I hope not. <laughs> awesome. And so what would stand in your way from fulfilling this wish and getting your essay done? 
The summer goes by fast, man. I mean, work, all of a sudden I'm working and I just don't get to do it. Okay. I, just, I mean, which, I, the last thing I'd want was to like, to just cram this and write mm. a bad one in like August. That would just be the worst. I don't, I don't want that. So I guess time management and resources too, because um, I, maybe I can reach out to my teacher. I know she's really great. And she'd be willing, but to just um, make sure that I, I know what I'm doing, you know, I, I'm formatting it correctly. I mean, I know there's no real format, but there also is at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of confusing. Okay, so like, so then let's create the plan. Mm-hmm. If you are, you know, in the middle of the summer and you're worried about resources, then what do you do? I think I'd definitely go to Miss Roland. She's she's really open. I would just email her, be like, "Hey, can we chat? Can we open a live document? Do something like that? Start here are my ideas." What can we do to build off this? I'd like to have a draft by then. I've got to write a few. So I think just but taking it one at a time, you know. And when I'm in the mood to just like, usually when I'm writing, it will just kind of come to me and I'll just be able to type mm-hmm. it out. And that'll, that not all, I can't write all three in one day. Right. So it's spreading it out, but then editing every day after that. You know? Okay. So if the summer goes by fast, then what will you do to prevent you know, it from being August and you haven't done your essays yet? I don't know. Reminders, probably. I, have to, I just have to stick to it. So sending reminders? And what are, I know, you're, you're definitely going to be there. Like mom, <laughs> she'll be like, hey, how's your essay going? Do it. <laughs> Some accountability. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and anything else you think could get in your way or that you need a plan to overcome? As we wrap up our whoop. Whoop. Um, the big one is really time management and mm-hmm. just r- probably writer's block, too. Not, not really knowing where to go, getting stuck. Okay, you know? so if you get writer's block, then what do you do? I'd probably go to you. Not for you to write it, obviously, but just to bounce off ideas. Hey, how do I start this? What's my theme? What's the focus? Mm-hmm. You know, Because you're so good at that. Oh, thanks, love. <laughs> um, but right, having having people that yeah. you can go to, right? And you yes. have some other teachers as well that yeah. you could reach out to For who sure. are great resources. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, what do you think about this whoop process? Is it we something just that you? It. Would... it was quick. Yeah, it was easy. I and you wrote it down. I, I did write if, it down. If I could write it down, I that's it's a really good plan. And I want to whoop it. I'm ready to whoop right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So do you think that um, – how do you think you could use whoop for your happiness? Oh, there are so many things. Um, whenever I get down running-wise, too, or just planning for a big race. Yep. Probably. Feeling anxious, you know? Yep. Just – planning for anything big SATs too great that's yep. huge awesome um yeah that's big just g- getting to know my tutor getting the tutor working on the books which super boring but I've got to whoop that because that's something that I need to get into now awesome okay so fantastic so here's now you have a way to tackle some of your big goals cool. and and um, increase your happiness along the way. And I will tell you that I, as a part of this course, um, it was a 10-week course through Yale, I used these tools and we took a happiness test before we started the course and then 10 weeks later. And my happiness increased dramatically. And yeah. I, was, I was sort of shocked by it. So if you can implement just some of this, go to the resources I'm going to share on the Own Your Truth Authority Facebook page because this stuff works and it's really, really easy. 
I hope this has given you some insight on how much control you have over your own happiness. As you can see, being happy isn't solely about appreciating the good things that happen to us. Overall, happiness is really about the ability to create more happiness in our own lives. Remember, 40% of your happiness is within your control. You get to decide what to do with it. Wish, outcome, obstacle, plan. Look at you. Whoa.